0: It's a real privilege for me to be able to introduce our speaker today. His name is Dr. Ramon Pastrano, and him and I have been friends for about 15 years. We got together on a missions trip in the Dominican Republic where he's from. And um, he has now done a bunch of research on how you transform and help communities transform themselves and produced all sorts of different applications for how both secular and sacred Communities can approach transformation and change, and uh, he has a great heart for the church. And he's, he, he has, if I had time, I could list about 97 million things that he's accomplished, including being a champion ballroom dancer, which you might ask him for a demonstration of later, speaking multiple languages, serving in the military. He has done it all. And the thing I love most about him, though, is that he's not defined by his accomplishments, but by his passion and heart for the Lord, for the church, for the work of Jesus. So we're really lucky to have him this morning. Why don't you welcome Dr. Ramon (laughs) Pastrano.
1: Thank you, Mike. Oh, man, I hope I don't have to live up to that. So, um, you know, thank you, Mike. Really, really appreciate it. So before I start, uh, what I would like to do is uh, just to, you know, one more time invite uh, the Holy Spirit to be present here with us. So if you bow your head. Gracious Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord, that um, you be present here today, that you prepare the hearts and minds of those that are here present, that you prepare us to receive the teaching that uh, you're about to provide. Father, I surrender myself to you so that you are the one teaching and speaking through me and not me. And Father, I pray that you also detach each and every one of us from anything that might interrupt or that might distract us from what you have to teach us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, first, I wanted to thank uh, Mike, Stephanie, and JD for the amazing work that they're doing here at uh, Mill City. It's been 10 years for this church, and one of the, uh, one of the great things uh, Mike sa- uh, said Mike and I know each other for about 10 years, and I remember the first time that I met him, um, I thought that he was grooming himself to be a pastor of a large church in the western suburbs. And the most amazing, yeah, actually, that's what I thought. But uh, the most amazing thing was that immediately that I asked that, that question, he told me, uh, my heart is in the city. I really want to plant a church in the city. So I have a lot of uh, great respect and admiration you know, for Mike, and I was part of that group uh, as, as long, you know, uh, along with some of them uh, here present that really prayed you know, for this church before this church became uh, this church. So I want to thank you, you know, the pastor, the staff. And I also want to thank uh, something you know, that uh, I've never done before, but it's uh, those families that actually move from their comfortable places to plant this church. I really appreciate all of you and the work that you're doing today. So thank you. Um, by way of introduction, Mike, you mentioned our trips to the Dominican Republic. Uh, when Mike asked me uh, which picture of God I wanted to paint today, I decided immediately that it was the one of the Holy Spirit. My experiences in the Dominican Republic and Asia in uh, India with the Holy Spirit has been very rich, very awesome, and it will really scare a lot of you. But you know what? I am going to share some of those experiences uh, here with you. One of the first ones has to do with uh, our host in the Dominican Republic, Carlos. Carlos is a pastor that is really completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit and driven by the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that really um, caught us by surprise as we began to do uh, trips in the Dominican Republic at the beginning was uh, that he will call you on a Sunday and he will say, the Holy Spirit told me that you are the one with a message to give today. <laughs> so you can imagine, Mike, what? Uh, or anybody actually that came, you know, from uh, you know, from you know, from our church, of course, you know, a Baptist church, going to a more Pentecostal, charismatic, you know, uh, you know, church in the Dominican Republic and uh, being called to preach from just right on the spot. Um, that really challenged a lot of people. But what was really interesting uh, for me as I watch you know, people do that, is that really made us, all of us, to be more attuned to what the Holy Spirit was saying. And to really trust in what the Spirit was you know, uh, telling us to say. So, uh, in typical Ramon fashion, I started cheating trying to write a sermon before I got there. <laughs> Just in case he will ask me. And what was really interesting is that he never asked me when I had a sermon prepared. It was those moments when I didn't have anything prepared that he really, you know, asked me to preach. And it was, uh, it was amazing. It was really, really remarkable. So, um, but as Mike prepared, uh, asked me to, you know, to come and uh, give the message today. It really created a lot of tension in me. And I think it has to do with everything that I'm experiencing. That I'm experiencing today. As I began the journey that uh, brought me to this day, to this very moment, I realized that in the process I had to open my heart, my mind, and my soul for some serious examination. I had to look deeply into my heart. I had to ask myself some very uh, hard questions about my faith and how I live out what I believe. And One of the things that I'm finding out is that my spiritual life and work has become closely intertwined. As I experience life and the church in our country today, and hear Christians talk about their faith and practices, I cannot help but to wonder which God is the God that we are worshiping today. Which Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that we are worshiping today? And who is the Jesus that we are claiming to know? If we believe in the same God, and we attend the same churches and hear the the same sermons every day, why does that produce different behaviors in each and every one of us? You can walk almost into any church and hear very different doctrinal beliefs about who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and who God is. And it's amazing that two people going to the same church, experiencing the same God, worshiping the same God, are producing two different behaviors today. I must confess that over the last couple of uh, years, I have been gravely disappointed with the Christian church. Not necessarily Mill City, but the church as a whole. And I don't say this as a critic, you know, who is always trying to find, you know, some of those critics that are always trying to find something wrong about the church. What i said as somebody who loved the church and has greatly benefited from this uh, body of believers from, from this community but i have to say that uh, i have found that the polarizing way in which we're living is really creating some uh some internal conflict within the church and how we present ourselves as christian it is obvious to me that our individual beliefs our individual and personal beliefs about who God or who the Holy Spirit is, are not in sync. And it's producing different types of behavior that are the wrong counter with God and who Jesus is and what Jesus' commands are. Do we understand when Jesus said, love one another? Remember, he has this little five words right after, as I have loved you. Do we understand what that means, to love one another as Jesus has loved us? Or, as my father sent me, now I'm sending you. Do we understand what that means today? How are we filtering all these teachings that are so important to, to, to the survival of who we are as Christians today? I would like to address some of those issues through my own personal journey, a few quotes that uh, really challenged me, and a framework that I have uh, prepared to, that really helped me build my spiritual life. But, since I'm a Dominican I have a lot of context, you know, I'm very high context, I want, to sh- I, w- I want to make a disclaimer right now. You have to be paying attention because I am going to talk about a lot of things that may seem disconnected, but they are really connected, I promise you. So what you have to do is stay awake and just listen and you'll find the connections. Uh, unlike Mike and Stephanie and JD, you know, who have these amazing linear uh, you know, messages, I am, I am not that. And Michael gave me permission to be myself here today, so I am going to be a countercultural, cultural non-linear speaker. So get ready, <laughs> right? All <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, here are some of the few questions and quotes that created some of the greatest tension as I prepared to give this message today. Uh, and forced me to ask myself, which God do I worship? Uh, what is what I believe? And uh, do, I believe eno- do I believe it enough to put it into practice? So Kathy, my coworker here, she knows that every time that somebody comes to me and say, oh, that person is a believer, I usually that usually challenges challenge me. So the next thing that follow out of my mouth is, a believer in what? A believer in what? Because we can believe in a lot of things, but to me it's, it's not what you believe, what? but what you believe enough to move you into action. A lot of people believe what the Bible said. A lot of people believe what the pastors are saying here today. But do we believe it enough to move us into action? So if I can get the first slide as I begin to paint my picture of who the Holy Spirit is, this is one of the first questions that I want to ask you. When you think of God the Holy Spirit, what is the first things that come to your mind? Growing up in a predominantly Roman Catholic country, I grew up believing on a, on a hierarchical, you know, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit—three different people doing different things—and I will tell you that the repetition of that message and the picture that I saw that supported that message impacted my life in a way that interfered on how I experienced God. Some of this erroneous way of thinking and belief kept me from really connecting and learning who God really was. As a result, my conception of God was totally off. My conception of the Holy Spirit was completely off. The God that I worshiped then was definitely something other than the God that I worship today. So I don't know if that is the case with any one of you here today, but I want to invite you to do the same thing, to examine uh, what is it that you believe. Who is your God? Who is your Holy Spirit? When I ask that question, when it comes, when I, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, what is the first image that comes to your mind? In the work that I'm currently doing right now, it's heavily based on understanding your unconscious biases. And by that, what I mean is, do you understand what are the experiences, what are you know, those connections that you have made since you were two years old, that are now used to interpret you know, what you are learning? One of the, uh, the quotes that we use as we begin to do this work is uh, one from an Aine, a writer of a Cuban-French descent, uh, descent. that She wrote, we do not see things as they are, we see them as we are. We do not see things as they are, we see them as we are. That is correct. All those life experiences, everything that we have learned, the people that we work with, the, our parents, the voices, the smells, the sound, that become the framework through which we, we experience life. And it's exactly the same framework that we're using right now to experience God, to experience the Holy Spirit, and to experience what I'm saying. In fact, I will tell you this much. Right now, only, only 0.00004% of what you know is engaged with me. The other point ninety-nine nine 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 six percent is running on its own. So another uh, uh, quote that was very helpful you know, to, you know, to help us understand what this means came from Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, which is a neuropsychologist, uh, who wrote that by the time that we are 35 years old, we unconsciously live by a set of memorized behaviors, thoughts, beliefs, perceptions, and emotional reactions that run like automatic computer programs behind the scene of our conscious awareness in which the body has been conditioned to the mind. What that means is that right now, if we're not aware of what is it that we're using, what are the lenses that we're using to see through or to interpret what we're seeing, that is going to interfere how we understand who God is and who God the Holy Spirit is. The next quote came from uh, William Temple, and this quote really challenged me. Uh, In... um, You know, following the same line of thinking, William Temple wrote, if your conception of God, the Holy Spirit, is radically false, then the more devout you are, the worse it will be for you. You're opening yourself to be molded by something else. You have much better be an atheist. If your true north is not a true north, you're not going to end up in the true north. So what is this picture of the Holy Spirit? What is this picture of God that you are creating in your mind? Do you understand... All those experiences and the lenses that you're looking through to, you know, to filter what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit, what God is teaching us, you know, today. When I came across this particular uh, uh, quote, i really stopped in my tracks because it's also reminded me of Jesus' uh, message in um, um, in the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. There are a part where... Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, your evildoers. Like the quote before, this passage deals with the ultimate rejection of those who discipleship is superficial and it's not a part with what Jesus you know is uh, teaching of, and it's not a part with knowing God. It's not only about the false prophets of those times, but it's also about people like us you know that might not be producing fruit. Jesus said it very clear, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me you cannot produce any fruit. Apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything. And he says, those branches that do not produce fruits will be cut and will be thrown into the fire. But those that produce fruit will be pruned to continue to do more, to produce more fruit. But I want you to also highlight the word pruning. Pruning is a very very violent process. Because it means that you are going to lose something. You must let go of something in order to receive what God is going to be giving you. So this whole pruning idea means that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna hurt sometime, and it's going to it's gonna cost us. So apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So I myself, you know, when I look at these passages and when I look at this question of who is my God, who is the Jesus that I sell, who is the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about. Is critical because i don't want to stand up one day before god and tell him hey i was preaching a Mill city one sunday i did a lot of mission trip to the dominican republic and uh, jesus you know said to me something like uh nope you did not know me you do not know me i don't want to fix that so for that reason this is important to me uh a w tozer also write that the idolatrous heart assumed that god the holy spirit is other than he is it is like we begin to um, project who we are into what God is. Uh, and this is what you see in social media a lot. We're always looking for evidence of what we know to support what we, what we believe. Don't we do that? You know, if uh, the way that we watch TV today, the way that, you know, you can tell me, actually I can listen to you speak and I can tell you which channel you've been watching. If you've been watching CNN or if you've been watching Fox News. So, or you know, whatever. Because it is obvious, I can hear people always looking for evidence of what they know to support what they believe. But if you examine what is it that you know, then you begin to make the right changes. That's how the process of transformation begins in each and every one of us. So is your conception of God, the Holy Spirit, correct? You need to ask yourself that question. And if not, then I will suggest that we better get to know Jesus because the only way to know about God the Holy Spirit and God the Father is going to be through Jesus. So let me offer this framework that, um, you know, to help you develop the right conception of who God the Holy Spirit is. Four questions: who is the Holy Spirit? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? How do I get to know the Holy Spirit? And what are some implications for us today? But before I do that, and I shared this with Michael earlier, I know a lot of you are going to be saying, oh my goodness, he talked about these two particular passages, but there's so much in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're right. In the, the Old Testament uh, time, the Spirit came upon certain people at a certain time for a specific task. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see this amazing footprint of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Genesis, Genesis uh, 1, chapter 2 the Holy Spirit is there with God, creating. He's not just you know, with God, but he's also creating. We see it in Chronicles. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in Isaiah eleven, forty-two, sixty-one. 42, uh, 61. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and power. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We see it in Micah. We see it in Judges. And then as we go into the New Testament, we see the spirit, John the Baptist, is born with the Spirit. Zechariah, his father, is indwelled by the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. Elizabeth, his mother, when she meets Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and immediately she is full with the Holy Spirit. The Annunciation of Mary, you know, when the angel Gabriel came and told Mary that, uh, that she was going to have the Messiah and the Holy Spirit was, you know, to come upon her. Uh, and Jesus, born of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is active all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We also see it in Act. you know, Act 1, before Jesus leave, Act 1, chapter t- uh, 8, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the day that the church really was launched, began 14, 15 different people groups in one place, and the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit come on everyone. And... Uh, even more, even more importantly, then later on, Paul begins to do all this amazing work about the Holy Spirit uh, in Romans, how to live in, in the Spirit. Uh, we start talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. So the whole point of me just giving you this lessoning of where the Spirit are is just because I want you to focus in two particular passages: is uh, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 14 and uh, John chapter 15 and 26. Uh, 15 to uh, 26 to 16. So as I answer the first question, who is the Holy Spirit? Let me read from John 14, 15, and 26. And the passage is going to come pretty soon. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them verse 26 but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said to you this is the first of a series of important passages about the holy spirit because jesus said another counselor another advocate it is understood that jesus is also like the holy spirit he's revealing guiding truth to us he is the way. He is the truth. And Stephanie was preaching last, uh, you know, last week. She preached that for this reason Jesus came to the world that the truth may be known. So, and what is it that the Holy Spirit is going to be doing? It's going to revealing truth, truth about Jesus, truth about God. In the Old Testament, the uh, the Holy Spirit was also talking in terms of. Uh, Outgoing energy, creative and sustaining. And that energy and creative energy is still going on today. Uh, we see it in Jesus. We see it in us. You see, Jesus talked about uh, flesh give birth to flesh and the spirit give birth to spirit. And what Jesus is saying is we must be born of the spirit. The spirit is the one that needs to affect life in each and every one of us. And also, when we look at the Gospel of John, uh, the word that is uh, used here, the Greek word is paraclete, and paraclet is more of, uh, in terms of an advocate. And an advocate is somebody that is not only advising you, but is standing for you, somebody that is defending you, and is somebody that is pleading on behalf of the accused, but not in legal terms, as a friend. So Jesus is that friend that comes to advocate for each and every one of us. He is the spirit of the truth but the world cannot accept him. It cannot accept him because they don't see him and they don't know him. So it is imperative that we get to know who Jesus is. And finally, for me, as I begin to paint this picture, the most important thing is that Jesus, being the sat representation of the Father, he is also the tangible and explicit expression of the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit. The same way that Jesus says, if you know me, you have seen the Father. If you know Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit. For all things were built in him, for him, and through him. Nothing that was built was built you know, outside of him. And all things are held together in him. He is the advocate. He is the one that is pleading for each and every one of us. Now, my question, do you believe this? And if you don't, what is holding you back? What I want to do now is, instead of uh, answer the second question, I want to answer the third question, which is, how do I get to know the Holy Spirit? And I already started. You get to know the Holy Spirit by knowing Jesus. Uh, About uh, mid-2008, 2009, I heard uh, Pastor Binder uh, challenge a young group of uh, young men that he was discipling. Uh, They decided to read the Bible, the only book that they were going to be reading was the Bible. It was, you know, supposed to read it in one year. No other book was the Bible. And I was a little bit jealous because I was working on my doctorate and uh, I couldn't join those guys. Of course, I have a lot of other books to read. Uh, but eventually, I had that opportunity. Uh, in 2014, I had a very personal encounter with the Holy Spirit and was prompted to read the uh, the four gospel and... Chapter 2 of Acts, which is the you know, coming of the Holy Spirit, just for three years in a row. Three years in a row. So I will read, I will listen, I will go to bed listening, I will drive in my car listening, and it was amazing what happened to me. It was truly remarkable. Uh, just little simple things that went over my head starting to become more clear. And I'm just going to zero in on the things that became the most powerful teaching tool and transformational tool in me and it was in mark chapter 3 when i learned uh when you when you hear jesus said he shows 12 to be with him so that then he can send them out and the most powerful four-letter words that i found from that period of time was the word with you have to be with him before you can think about going from him it is this with him that really Created probably uh, some of the richest learning in my life, and I see that in another passage that uh, Mike you know preached about three, four Sundays ago, uh, which is in, in John uh, chapter one thirty something, where uh, the disciples see Jesus, and uh, they follow Jesus and uh, ask him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come and you will see. It's that invitation, come and see. You know Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to come, to see, not just to hear, but to come and see, to be with him. So he could have told those disciples, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm staying somewhere else, but he told them, come and see, join me, be with me. When we are with him, then we can understand what is it that he's teaching us, why he came to this world, what is, why the father who loves the world so much gave his only son so that we— will have eternal life and will not perish, then we will understand what is at stake when he said, love one another as I have loved you. You cannot love me, I cannot love you, unless I understand how Jesus has loved me. That's the implication. You cannot understand what the advocate is going to be doing in you, in me, if we don't understand what Jesus is doing and why it is important for the advocate you know, to come so when i look at the role of the holy spirit the role of the holy spirit is many and the first and most important role is to effect the transformational changes that need to happen in each and every one of us as christians it is that transformational change but we need to also understand that with knowing the holy spirit there are going to be some serious implications in our lives the first one is we're living in the most difficult times you know, that I can probably imagine in this country. We are bombarded by over 125,000 messages from the moment that we get up to the moment that we go to bed. How do we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit? How do we quiet ourselves down? Uh, Pastor JD uh, talks about spending one day uh, at one of the retreat you know, houses around here, uh, and that's phenomenal. For me, I go to a four-day silent retreat every year. have been doing that for 20 years, quieting myself, allowing God to speak to me, allowing you know, God to really uh, prepare me to receive truth, uh, the truth that he wants to, uh, to provide for me. And one of the things that is really critical is that in order for us to really uh, be prepared to receive the Holy Spirit, we cannot receive it unless we have spent the right amount of time understanding. God will not give you something that you're not prepared to receive. And I know that sometimes we get a um, little bit uh, confused when we say, you know, you need to spend a lot of time in Scripture. Yes, Scripture is fine. But when we're talking about the Word of God, I would like to push a little bit more. It's not Scripture. It's Jesus Christ as the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how you're going to know exactly what's going on in uh, john chapter 5 you see jesus in a spotting with the pharisees sadducees and teachers of the lord about this particular issue and jesus challenged them he said you study scripture so diligently but you fail to understand whom this scripture is pointing to to jesus so when you consider when you are studying scripture to really understand that we're talking about jesus the word of god the acting living world word of god um and then as you see some of the some of the following passages it's very simple to see that the holy spirit the role of the holy spirit is also as intercessor he is interceding between us and between god he's not only interceding between uh us and god but he's also providing truth He's, pro- he's also providing counsel He's also prophesizing it's given us in like in, the, in chapter 14 it tells He will tell us about things that are about to happen but are we ready to receive those things do you believe what do you say what you say that you believe that's my challenge for you today we need to investigate the source of any of every pretension because we're also going to find that as we try to find truth there are things that are untrue there's people speaking things that are untrue and if we don't know if we don't know what is it that we're using to interpret what is true or not true, if we don't know who Jesus is and we don't know the truth that Jesus is putting in us, then we are going to probably take things that are not true as true. And finally, I wanna say that the revelation of the Holy Spirit are tied to our capacity to receive them. We have to develop that capacity. We have to open our eyes. We have to open our minds. We have to open our soul. We need to enter into the uncomfortable space of the things that we don't know that we don't know. That's another thing that we used to teach. It's the most uncomfortable place. We're safe in the things that we know that we know. But Jesus was about the things that you don't know that you don't know. When he invites you, is come into this experience of who I am. Come into this experience of who I am. So I want to leave you with, um, with probably the one prayer that I've been praying, not only for all of you, but for myself, which is uh, John 17. Jesus pray, Father, that we are one like you and I are one, you in me and I in them. Jesus is praying that we become one with him. And again, it's, there's that word, with him. We must, need, we must be with him, even after we pass, is to be with Him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, since we're created to grow in an intimate relationship with You, to know, love, enjoy, honor, and glorify You through a Christ-centered orientation to every component of our lives, and through the mediating power of the Holy Spirit, help us and help others to experience the saving grace and eternal life in that is in Jesus Christ. May each of us as your church come to a knowledge of the truth and experience a fresh revival in the Holy Spirit. As you recapture the heart of your people, may we become a unified community of believers which reflects your heart, live by faith, is known by love, and together strive to fulfill your great commission. In Jesus' name, Amen. God, we are grateful for what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice.
0: We in this moment admit our sins ask for your forgiveness, receive your forgiveness. And we pray, God, that as we take communion today, that you would help us to see and sense your spirit at work in us and in the world in a fresh way. Help our capacity to grow, as Ramon said, that we would see ourselves as being with you every day, part of the work that you're doing in the world, guaranteed to live in your
1: presence for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.